the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, so for those of you that have been following along this last year, first off, I'm very glad that you guys are actually here in person. We've been praying about this now for a year. Um, hopefully you guys have been able to follow along at home as well with the different series that we've been doing. I know it's very challenging to do that. Um, but we've had different speakers, four different speakers that have been rotating, and each one has taken a series of talks. Um, and so uh, I think probably back in June or July, we started with uh, repentance. Uh, because essentially what it is that I'm planning on doing is one, one topic, at least a mini-series on, on desert spirituality, and then something that's doctrinal that ties that in so that we can actually understand why doctrine and dogma has some practical a uh, application in our lives. Uh, and so we started with repentance, and then we did um, some Christology. So we worked through uh, against the Gentiles and on the Incarnation very quickly. And then now, today, we're starting uh, another mini-series on desert spirituality. So, uh, given that the first one is about repentance, and that we've just come out of the season of repentance, we've just come out of Lent, I thought that it would be appropriate for us to be able to speak about a topic that should lead us from repentance into this. I thought about doing a lot of different virtues, and, and there's a tremendous amount of material that we can work through from uh, the Desert Fathers, but I thought that it would be um, appropriate for us for us to start with something else uh, in that regard. One of the things that I have found in my own life is that once w once I've finished Lent, say that you're on like a spiritual high, you're climbing it like it's a roller coaster, climbing, climbing, and then once you get to the top, and then there you have Feast of Resurrection, everything just goes crashing down very, very quickly. Any... Um, anything that you usually have in terms of your own schedule on a daily basis, it just goes flying out the window. Uh, so if you're doing Igbeya or reading the Bible or Psalms or spiritual reading, anything like that, many people feel like they want a break. And then that break usually extends until uh, September, October, or something like that, right? You got 55 days and then suddenly we, we need a break for eight months. Um, so I thought that what would be important and practical for us to start with is um, speaking about spiritual guidance and finding a spiritual guide. And this is one of the things that even the Desert Fathers, uh, right after they speak about repentance, they usually speak about um, repentance and then forsaking everything in the world, which is something that we will find in sort of our own practical application as well. Um, but I wanted to start with something that was, was a little bit more... Um, palatable for us because if I come now right after the Feast of Resurrection and I tell everybody now you have to give up all of the things that you're very very attached to most people are not really in that uh, in that mindset they just want to feast and enjoy everything possible so I thought that speaking about spiritual guidance would be a practical way to do it and even if you have a spiritual guide, so even if you say, oh, you know what, this is old news, there's someone that I already go to and I'm already speaking to and this is someone that I trust, um, this is something that we'll end up speaking about during this series as well. How often do you go to your spiritual guide? What do you tell them? Uh, how open are you with them? Uh, very often I think that uh, when people go and they speak to their spiritual guide, it's usually because there's a problem 
and that problem is assessed by yourself, right? I see that there's a problem, therefore I will go to my spiritual guide because I see that there's a problem and then I'm going to speak to them about it. And then they take that and then they do with it what they do. Um, but th is, that, is that sort of the paradigm by which we are supposed to be getting spiritual guidance? Is it, is it only the case that you should be uh, going to a doctor only when there is a problem, if there is an emergency, if your only doctor's visits are emergency room visits, are you really maintaining health? And so that's what we're going to be speaking about a bit. Uh, and so I, uh, there's, there's going to be sort of a smattering of different quotes here that we're going to work through from the Desert Fathers. Um, the first one is from Ava Palladius. And he says, the soul which conducts itself in a godly way must learn with sincerity what it does not know. If it does not desire to do so, then it is possessed by madness. For the beginning of apostasy is found in the absence of instructive words and in the lack of a desire for instruction, since the soul which loves God is always hungry for the word of God. Now, this is something that I tell uh, all of the youth when we go through um, lessons like this and we have quotes. Usually once I start reading a quote, everybody phases out and no one's paying attention to what it is that's being said. So let's go through it one more time just so that you have it in, in mind what it is that's being said and then we'll work through it. Uh, the soul which conducts itself in a godly way must learn with sincerity what it does not know. If it does not desire to do so, then it is possessed by madness. For the beginning of apostasy is found in the absence of instructive words and in the lack of a desire for instruction since the soul which loves God is always hungry for the word of God. Okay, so this is something that the Desert Fathers in their own experience found to be very, very true. If you yourself are not seeking out knowledge about Christ on a regular basis, not just, you know, during Lent you pick up a book and then you say, this is what it is that I'm going to focus on this year, and then you put that aside and then you don't focus on anything else, for the rest of the year. If this isn't an active hunger that you're trying to develop within yourself, uh, then the road that that leads to is a very problematic road. That road, as Ava Palladius says here, uh, leads to the beginning of apostasy, which basically means that you're abandoning God. And not only that you're abandoning him, you'll actually turn against him and you'll speak against him, right? And the, and the, um, the seed that allows for that to happen is this lack of finding out stuff that you don't know. So if you feel like, oh, you know, I went through, I, I grew up in the Coptic Orthodox Church, so we went through Sunday school, I know all of the basics, I listened to some sermons here and there, uh, I, I pretty much got it. I think I'm fine, I can just, I can, I can go from there. There's a lack of a desire for wanting to learn more. And uh, that should ring true for us if we really consider what it is that we're doing here is trying to develop a relationship with Christ. Anyone that you have a relationship with, if you're not constantly trying to go and find out how they're doing, what's happening in their life, how they're feeling about things, that relationship won't really develop. There are very strong bonds that you can form that maybe you won't see someone because of circumstances for a few weeks or a few months or a few years, and then once you come back, you'll reconnect with them. But that's very different from the kind of relationship that we're supposed to be developing with Christ, like what it is that we're speaking about during Holy Week. The, the, the image that we're supposed to have is that Christ is the bridegroom and we are his bride. 
And so imagine that you are married to someone and you don't speak about anything for a long period of time trying to discover something new about one another. Even how it is that you feel, how it is that you think about things. These sorts of things are, are integral towards developing this relationship. And so if you, if you don't have that within you, and it's not like uh, if you don't have that desire, then you know, everything is, is gone and, and uh, you know, let's, let's start looking forward to some fire. Um, it's that you have to get this going inside of you, right? You have to seek this out. If you want to learn, you will make time for learning. And the way that you do that, really principally, is by finding someone that can point out to you what you don't know. And I'm not speaking here about academic things. Those, those things that academia has sort of overtaken now, so that when we see people start speaking about dogma and doctrine and this sort of thing, you'll sit back and you say, I, I don't really want to learn about that stuff. I, I, don't, I don't really care, right? I don't care if uh, Christ is uh, two natures or uh, one incarnate nature. I don't really care. Like, I know the basics. Isn't it just fine for me to know the basics? And the problem is, is that we've had this huge divide that has occurred, that we've separated what is very meaningful information that used to be directly applied into the life of a Christian, so that these things had some purpose. Otherwise, it's just people discussing and arguing for no, for no reason. The reason why they were so heartfelt about what it is that they were speaking about was because it led directly to the life of the Christian. And so knowing that stuff will affect how it is that you relate to God, how you see how God relates to you, and definitely how you will relate to other people. Um, but in order to do that, you need to cultivate this, uh, this desire to learn with sincerity what you don't know. Now, this is St. Mark the ascetic. He has a tremendous amount of wonderful sayings. One of them is, uh, is the following. He says, Many have endured great toils and numberless ascetic feats and have suffered much ill treatment and many hardships for God. Despite this, however, their self-styled life, lack of discretion, and neglect of what was best for their neighbor have caused all of their labors to be worthless and in the end, a waste of effort. To avoid this danger, at least make an effort to keep the company of knowledgeable people and try not to walk in darkness. Try to apply this within your own life. Because again, what he's speaking about here is about monks. And if we just think about what, what he's saying about monks, there are many people that could fast a very long period of time, many people that can do hundreds of matanyas in a day, many people that can read many, many books, right? And they just sit there and this is all it is that they're doing. And they're just, they're going through this process. And yet, because of certain factors that come up within their lives, which are big factors, all of those things are basically meaningless. They're useless. And so let's see what it is that this might sound like in our own lives. Many have endured a lot of heartache at work or ill treatment at home or suffering many hardships for God, not just for their own sake, but really where, you, where you know, you're, you're in uh, a particular situation and you say, you know what, I'm going to swallow this. I'm not going to react to this uh, because I want to do this as a sacrifice to God. 
But all of this is to no avail if there is one particular thing that he starts out with. And that is a self-styled life. A self-styled life means that that person, you, are determining for yourself how it is that you want your life to look like. You are the, the, the assessor of what's good in your life, what's bad in your life, how things are supposed to be going in terms of your own relationships, in terms of your own marriage, in terms of how it is that you're raising your kids, in terms of how it is that you are functioning with your relationship with God. It's all self-styled. I just determine. What do I think God wants from me? I think he wants me to say the Our Father in the morning, and if I can remember to do that, great, I got it, right? That's, that is a, a, a mindset that I would say maybe the majority of people have, right? Where they are the ones that are setting uh, their own tune here, right? Um, if you are the captain of your own ship and you trust in your own wisdom, uh, there's enough things in the Old Testament that we read in the week of Beska that will tell you that's not a good idea, right? If you are the one that is, is the source of your own wisdom, uh, it's not a great thing, right? The company of, of someone that is knowledgeable corrects for this. Why? And again, I'm not speaking about someone that has just memorized things, right? Especially here in the West, we have a concept that knowledge is memorization, right? Rote memorization. If you could do this, this provides you uh, great knowledge and then everyone looks up to you. That's not what St. Mark is speaking about, right? Uh, he's speaking about people that may have all of the things that you would assume uh, people like that would have, so that people that read the Bible a lot, um, people that study books uh, very well, people that can quote you things. It may very well be that they have those aspects, um, but they have learned how to apply those things in their life. They know how it is that those things actually function within their own circumstances, so that it's not just, you know, uh, this person was speaking 1,500 years ago that has no application towards me. I don't know how to apply it myself, uh, and so I'm just going to read through it, and uh, we all know the stories of even if you read and you don't understand, it's still going to benefit you. Wonderful. But how is it that you're going to grow? Where's that growth going to come from? Uh, and that is in the application. And, and those people that have that kind of knowledge of application are the true spiritual guides. These are the ones that we should be really looking for. It's not just someone that you admire, um, and so then you seek out their advice. There is plenty of people in our lives that we will admire. Uh, and even, even within the church context, people that we think, oh yeah, this person really has it figured out. Um, but the reason that you would trust them as a spiritual guide is not because you're just taken in by the fact of the, you know, the way that they speak is, resonates with you or something like this. It's because you can see that God is working in them. If you can't see that God is working in them, or that's not the foundational basis of this, and you're just going to them because, say, they have a similar personality to you. Uh, say you are uh, an angry individual, and you see that this person has a temper, and you say, oh, wonderful. This is the kind of spiritual guide that I want, because they actually, they get me, right? Um, or this person reads a lot, and so I'm, I'm going to have this person as a spiritual guide because they get me, right? And that's, that's the concept that you have. I need to find someone that's like myself. Whereas what you really should be looking for is someone that you can see that God is working in them. Whatever that context might look like, 
right? If God is actually sincerely working in them and this person wants God to work within them, um, then you'll see God's hand in their words and in their service. Now, this is St. Isaac the Syrian. He says, always and in all matters, believe yourself to be in need of learning and throughout the whole of your life, you will be shown to be wise. Now, uh, he isn't saying pretend to be in need of lots of learning, right? I think many of us uh, can fake this. And so, and, and especially, again, because we're speaking about a relationship here, uh, there's always going to be the, the context of marriage that will come up in these kinds of discussions. You can fake it in a marriage where you say, uh, okay, you know, I, I heard some talk about uh, marital counseling and they said you should really pay attention to what it is that the other person is saying and so let's see what it is that they have to offer. And so you sit there and you're listening to what the other person is saying, your spouse is saying, but the whole time in your mind you're saying, but I know better. I know what it is that's right. Uh, I'm just doing this as practice. It's, it's like a show so that I can show that I am engaged and, and doing that sort of thing. And that's uh, often what it is that we end up doing with God as well, right? Um, so this is something that St. Isaac is uh, particularly specifying. He's, he's not saying pretend. He's not saying fake it. He says, always and in all matters, believe yourself to be in need of learning. If you're sitting there for, for anything, for anything in your life, right? If you're sitting there and you say, I know better. I know better than this. Uh, whatever it is that this person is saying, uh, I have nothing that I can gain from them, right? I have already achieved some sort of wisdom uh, by the age of whatever, 25 or 30. I think I have my life pretty much set straight and then we could just move forward from here. Um, that's not what it is that we're talking about here, right? If you know within yourself that you have a lot to learn, then you will never cease learning. And this is something that uh, we find so many times in our lives. If you think, for example, and I think that this applies so much to the sciences, uh, most everyone here in the West thinks that they have a really good handle of what the sciences say, right? Uh, biology, chemistry, biochem, stuff like this, right? Uh, and so if someone comes and they tell you something about genetics or uh, evolution or you watch something on TV, you say, oh, I, I, know, I know the arguments for this. I know the arguments against this. I already got this, right? Uh, th there's not very much more to learn. I took this in high school. I was an AP student or this was my, uh, my uh, bachelor's uh, degree, something like that, right? Where you, where you think, oh, I know, I know what there is to know. Uh, anyone that has uh, tried to dedicate their lives to uh, really learning about stuff will find that in any of these topics, and especially with religious topics, once you start learning just one thing, if you just open a book and you start learning one topic, you'll find out that you don't know very much of anything about that one topic, especially if you're, if you're listening to someone that's really well learned in it, right? And then you'll say, oh, okay, this has opened 30 doors for me. I will go through those 30 doors. I'll dedicate some time, maybe a year or two, and then I will learn about all of those things. And then at the end of that, I'll have walked through those 30 doors and I will know uh, what it is that there is to know. 
And then you walk through those 30 doors and then you find that there's 300 doors after that, right? And the knowledge is endless. It's endless. Anyone that has gone into very high level sciences will find this out. You'll find that this is true. You'll know a lot about little basics, but then once you start getting into the real thing that is happening, even in, in for example, in a cell, just the biochemical things that are happening in, in one cell for one process to occur is so um, profoundly complex that to understand it would take you a long period of time, and that's why it is that some people dedicate their lives towards doing a PhD in one of these things. Now, what's funny is that we do that with these secular things, but we think that we have it all figured out with the most important thing that's in our life, which is the religious, right? The stuff from church. Oh yeah, I got it all figured out. I know how to make the sign of the cross. I know why it is that Christ came. Uh, I know where I can find things if I, need, uh, if I need an answer, right? I'll just turn towards the Bible. I know where it is that I'm going to find my answers. Um, but this is what you would be allowing for yourself to do to learn from if you always have a spiritual guide. If you have a spiritual guide, then you trust that this person knows more than you. It might not be the case that this person knows more than you, right? But that's the trust that you put into this. Because again, you're not relying on this person's knowledge. You're relying on God working through this person, right? So if God wants to work through this person and you wholeheartedly want to grow in your knowledge for God, God won't abandon you in that. He will give you what it is that you need to be able to grow from that. If you are actively seeking that out in the right way. So there's eternal growth in our knowledge that has to be there. And especially, I think that because of the way that certain dynamics have been established within our church, you see that... Um, the youth, they get to age 16, 17, they start going through pre-servants prep, and then, or, or servants prep rather, and then uh, they're 18 years old, then they start allowing them to serve, right? Now, you know, we unleash you on, on, on the rest of the population that's here. Um, and, uh, and I think that that gets to a lot of people in their mind because they think, okay, then by age 18, everything that there is to know that anyone from age zero to 18 should know, I know it because I've already been here. I've gone through servants prep. I've, I've listened to enough sermons. I know. Uh, and so then you go and then you find, and I was in this situation as well when I was younger and I was teaching, uh, that you find that you determine yourself to be the source of truth. It's a big problem, right? Especially when the thing that we're talking about is truth itself, right? It's not just faking it about something scientific or something and the person can just go look it up on Wikipedia afterwards and then say, oh no, you know, that guy was wrong. And then they just forget about it. This is something that's so important. And it's not just something that's important because you're trying to learn so that you can impart it to somebody else, which is also a dynamic that uh, has unfortunately, I think, unintentionally been set up. Um, you're learning this for yourself. You're learning this for your own growth. You're learning this for the growth of your family the immediate people that are around you, not for the, uh, you know, the, the faces that you, you don't even know what their first and last names are, and they're all just sitting out there in the crowd, and this is what it is that Christianity is supposed to be about. I can learn and then go and present it to these kinds of people. That's not the, the focus, right? That's not what Christianity is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about you learning and benefiting yourself 
and the people that are around you. And from that nucleus then comes all the, all the rest, right? Now, there's something that goes along with this. If you so desire to have a spiritual guide, and that is obedience. And this is a topic that we're going to be speaking about for a bit in the weeks to come as well. This is St. Anthony the Great. Abba Anthony said that obedience, along with self-restraint, has the power to subdue even wild beasts. Now, I know that when I read this, when I was younger, I thought that he meant actual wild beasts. And for some of the desert fathers, it did mean actual wild beasts, okay? But uh, for us in our lives, if we see a coyote in the parking lot over here, suddenly that's all it is that we're talking about for the next week, and we're trying to figure out what it is that's supposed to be happening here because we don't know what to do with wild beasts, right? Um, and if, if one of us happened to be attacked by a, a, a little dog, for example, at some point, then that's the story that you'll end up telling for the rest of your life. And so why would St. Anthony be speaking about something that is really not applicable to us at all in our daily lives about something like this, right? That obedience can breed this kind of thing, that it can bring the power to subdue even wild beasts. What is he talking about? Our passions, the disfigurements in our souls, are often untamed. The person that's struggling with pornography, the person who's quick to anger, the one who runs towards his own pleasure at any cost, that person has wild beasts within him. In Ephesians, St. Paul says, For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, we'll hear that and then we'll say, oh, so we're contending against demons that are flying out there, right? In the heavenly places, in the realm of the air. That's not what we're talking about, right? Where are the heavenly places? Christ says this for us, right? Christ answers this for us in Luke 17. He says the kingdom of heaven is, is within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And so where are these powers that we are contending against? It's within us, right? It's not external to us. These are things that are, are not just up in the sky. They're in our heart. And it's through obedience that another person, to another person that this can be tamed. And that's not solely from a psychological standpoint. Uh, it's very much a spiritual one. There is a psychological component that comes along with this, for sure, right? Um, but psychology in itself, someone can teach you uh, tips and tricks on how it is that you should be uh, dealing with things and how to come to terms with your own self and your own past. And those things shouldn't be belittled. That is very important for us to be able to know how to do. Um, but it's with something in mind. It's not just so that you can be reconciled to yourself. It's not just so that you can be reconciled to the past, right? It's so that you can develop a, a true relationship with Christ, right? That's what the spiritual guide is there for. And that's what it is that they're supposed to do. And that's why it is that you'd want to obey them, right? It's because the person that you've entrusted this responsibility to is someone that's supposed to guide you to Christ. And so you have no justification if you step out of line. 
And we usually do step out of line and we usually justify it to ourselves, especially when we're not turning to anyone else. If no one knows what it is that we're doing, I don't have to justify my actions to anybody. And then if you just give it enough time, for most of the things that happen in life, you give it a day or two, most people forget, right? You don't, you don't know what it is that came up a day, two, three days ago that was some sort of an issue. And so that's gone, it's forgotten, and, and you just continue on in your own way. But you can't do that if you're trying to justify yourself in front of Christ, right? You're not trying to justify yourself in front of a human being when you have a spiritual guide, which, by the way, will end up happening anyway if you, if you develop a, a good relationship with your spiritual guide. But I didn't mean this. I didn't want that. This person was doing this, and as a result, I had to do this, and you know, that, that sort of thing, which is normal. That's human. But there is no justification that you have in front of Christ, right? When you stand in front of Christ, who's supposed to be represented by this person that you've chosen to be your spiritual guide, then you have nothing to stand for. All you can do is just stand in front of him and realize where your weaknesses are. And this person that should be guiding you along should be pointing those out to you as well. And that comes in different forms. Some spiritual guides are um, very uh, pleasant and... Uh, like uh, you know, right? How 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 would you say that in English? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're very they're very gentle and compassionate, and that's good. Uh, some people are very fierce and aggressive, and that's good as well. And some people are a mix of both, right? Uh, the important thing is whether or not, again, this person is living a life in Christ and actually wants to serve Christ. They're not there to serve you; they're there to serve Christ inside of you. And so we get to our final slide. One of the elders said, one should become like a camel, lifting one's sins and bound by obedience, following him who knows the way of God. Why a camel? Camels are beasts of burden, right? You can see they can carry quite a bit on them. So he carries a, a, a huge load on him and endures the hardship of the journey and they faithfully follow their guides. So you can see there's this guide that's here, and there's that rope, and, they, and they'll guide them for miles and miles and miles, right? And the camel faithfully does this. The camel also knows who it is that treats them well and who treats them poorly. And they will follow the people that treat them well, and they remember the people that have treated them poorly, and they don't follow them, right? So to be a camel in this regard means that you are to remember your sins. And your sins are the load that you carry on your shoulders. And you follow your guide, your spiritual guide. And you better be sure that that spiritual guide is someone that has treated you well. I'm not saying treated you well from, from the worldly perspective, right? Someone that can uh, sit there and joke with you and you guys go out to eat and, uh, you know, everything is sort of hunky-dory and they're, and they're there and they're buddy-buddy and they're friends. That's not what we're talking about, right? Someone who treats you well is, again, someone who really has it in mind to be able to lead you towards Christ. If they're leading you towards Christ, then they're treating you well. If they're not leading you towards Christ, then there's, there's only one source for that, right? The demons are the ones that don't want us to go to, towards Christ. And so you should remember the demons that act against you 
so that you don't follow them. But your spiritual guide is so necessary for this, to be able to differentiate this for you. My spiritual guide, when I go and I speak to him, I will tell him something and I won't even think that it's a thing that I need to speak about. I'm just kind of rattling off what it is that happened during the week or something like that. And then suddenly I find myself in a situation where this thing that was uh, you know, indiscernible to me is actually an issue and then we have to sit there and we, and we speak about it. And there's something that comes from that. I cannot be my own guide. You cannot be your own guide. If the guide that you have is just coming and listening to someone, but you're not being able to provide something from your side, then you're missing out on this relationship. If all it is that you do is you sit there on Sundays and you say, oh yeah, I go to church, I listen to Abuna, Abuna gives wonderful sermons, and so I will gain my guidance from what it is that he wants to tell all of us that day, and because I'm in attendance that day, that must mean that the Holy Spirit wants me to learn from that. That's true, right? But that's not spiritual guidance. And we even see that, right? Even, even from a, a university setting or, or a high school or anything. If there's a class and someone really wants to learn they're not, and they want to engage with the material, they're not just there in class during class time. They'll go and they'll speak to the teacher afterwards, right? How is it that this can make more sense to me? What if we all did that with Abu Nakarullus today after he finished his sermon? Liturgy is over and then we go and we say, I remember something that you said and I want to know how it is that I'm supposed to apply that in my life. We're all supposed to flood him so much that he doesn't even have a chance to breathe. That's what we're supposed to do. He's got plenty of a chance to breathe right now. And that's because most of us are not actually utilizing the people that are around us that are good, trustworthy sources as spiritual guides. And so that's uh, the thing that we're going to be speaking about. We'll speak about spiritual guidance. We'll speak about uh, confession. We'll speak about obedience and what that's supposed to look like from our, uh, from our circumstances. It is at times very different than what it is that we find in the monastery, but the core of it is always going to remain to be the same because no one will be able to do this on their own without a guide for them. Even St. Anthony the Great, for example, who you'll say, oh, he's the first of the, of the monastic fathers, uh, he didn't have a guide. If you go and you read in the beginning of his book, he went out to every single person that was an elder and tried to learn from every single one of them. And they said that he would perfect what it is that they taught him. And he just gathered all of that together. Everybody has a guide. If you don't have a guide, then you're missing out on this relationship that you can have a more fully developed uh, relationship with Christ. Any questions? Right. Um, so for those who didn't hear, he was saying that uh, it is known that spiritual guides don't necessarily have to be priests. 
um, they could be laymen. And that's true, right? Um, the, the spiritual guide for an entire family of saints, uh, which is right there in the back, it's the second icon from the front there, is St. Macrina. Uh, she was a nun, but she's no priest, right? And she, is the, she was the guide, the guide for her family. Um, not just for her siblings, for her, for her mom too. Um, so this is, this is something that very well could, could be the case. How do you find a spiritual guide? We'll get into that practical aspect as we develop through this course. Um, but it is very much the case that you can find either a priest or uh, a layman. It's just important to have certain standards in mind when choosing that. And we'll get into that. Uh, again, the, the, the point should not be that we are just choosing people that we're comfortable with because they're like-minded to us, right? And I think that that is a great danger that many of us would fall into if we were to just say, okay, let's find someone that's a good spiritual guide. Who would understand this person from that like-mindedness perspective? Um, the core always has to be Christ. But we'll get into that in the more detail. Yes, several. I'll just give you one right off the bat here. St. Paul, which is always the example that's given for this, right? When, when St. Paul is on the road to Emmaus, or sorry, uh, when he's on, on the road to Damascus and, and finds Christ appearing to him and has this um, very personal moment with Christ, Christ tells him, go to Ananias, in Damascus so that he can teach you and he actually spends some time with him and he's the one that baptizes him Christ is not the one that ends up telling him I will be your source I will be your guide because here I am appearing to you in a very miraculous way therefore you don't need anybody else right he tells him that the standard that we have in the church is not to just appeal to personal relationship like this because that can lead you astray it's not that God is going to lead you astray. It's that we are very easily fooled and someone posing as God can very easily lead us astray. And so he put St. Paul into the hands of the church as a result of that, as a guide. And again, there's, I mean, there's plenty of examples, but that uh, is always the one that uh, I think people usually turn to because it's so explicit and it's the big, one of the biggest teachers that we have in the church and that was even his, his reality as well. Any other questions? And glory be to God forever. Amen. Let's stand up to pray. Make us worthy, O Lord, to pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.